is Jason Graves. I'm a composer working in film, TV, and video games. Some video games that people might recognize would be anything from Tomb Raider to the Dead Space series, Far Cry games, Devil May Cry, a little bit of everything, honestly. I've been doing this for about 20 years now in games and loving every minute of it. How do you believe video game soundtracks can impact a player's emotion? The music for games is really all about the player's emotion, at least to me. When I'm thinking of what music might work underneath a particular bit of gameplay, it's always down to what kind of emotions, not should the player be feeling, but what kind of emotions will the player be experiencing during this? Is it, is it tense? Is it excitement and anticipation? So it really is all about the music kind of extrapolating the emotion from the player's experience and bolstering it as opposed to you know trying to force it if that makes sense you've composed the music for a lot of different really big games across your career can you choose a game that you've worked on that's meant the most to you <laughs> which of your hundred and something children are your favorites that's always <laughs> the question right you know, they're always, the one that I'm working on, or the ones that I'm working on, always seem the most precious because they're not finished. It's the most exciting for me to learn new things and, and to try new things, especially what I love the most about games is all the opportunity that you have in terms of interactive music that really make it a different beast from film or TV. I'll just name some off the top of my head that... Um, I think I have a special place in my heart just because they were so creatively fulfilling. There was anything from um, a little VR game that shipped with the original Oculus called Farlands that I got to play all these instruments around my studio but make them sound really alien. It was very much like a, a listening experience, sort of Animal Crossing for aliens kind of thing. No shooting, no hiding, no anything like that. That was just a joy because it was so laid back. But then there's other things like Far Cry Primal where I had prehistoric drums, basically, stones and rock and bushes and was playing them like a drum set. Most recently, a VR game called Moss, which was just this wonderful, pastoral, just pleasant, melodic, tuneful kind of thing. And of course, you can contrast that with something like Dead Space, which was also fun because it was the opposite. It was so visceral and I got to try so many different things with orchestra and sampling and trying to figure out EA literally wanted was the scariest music ever written. So <laughs> they, they run the gamut, you know, it's like it goes from one end to the other, but it's really the creativity that brings a certain title to mind. If anyone says, do you have a favorite or, you know, any particular ones that you had fun working on? One of the unique things about you compared to some of the other composers that I've interviewed is that you have a lot of horror experience. From idea to execution, what is your creative process like behind making these tracks, the horror games? So in a certain way, they sort of all start the same kind of way, which for me is the kind of abstract idea of what is scary. And I know that sounds very kind of conceptual and philosophical, but really I feel like the unknown is what is the scariest. I mean, let's face it, the, the shark fin in the water or the shadow underneath the water is a lot scarier than the giant mechanical shark jumping up on the boat, right? 
So I've always tried to make the music feel like something unknown, uh, either through pitch, you know, a weird harmony or through a weird rhythm or especially through kind of found sounds, just taking something that maybe wouldn't be musical, making it more like kind of a musical instrument. Anything that makes our brains sort of pick up on that sound and go, what is that? And then other things start coming in too. And before you know it, you're, you're really scared because your brain is in fight or flight mode because it doesn't understand what's going on. That's probably the, a similar genesis, whether it's Until Dawn, or Man of Medan or Dead Space, it's starting out with that what is scary and then branching out into, okay, well, this game is set in the future in space and it's sci-fi and very technological. How are we going to deal with that as opposed to something like Little Hope, which is a game coming out this Halloween, which mostly takes place in the late 1600s. So they're going to have different instruments and different approaches between futuristic sci-fi and sort of late 1600, whatever you would call that, witchy, Salem-y kinds of things. And that's where I draw choices about what kind of instruments to use and how am I going to you know, process them to work in the game. That's all based on each individual game. And each one is completely different, which is what's so great about it. Speaking of Little Hope and Man of Medan, those games are very similar to, I don't want to call them movies, but they're similar to movies. So do you find that composition style for those is more akin to creating music for a movie or is it still similar to creating music for games? They're definitely cinematic and they're very, very interactive, right? So you can have one scene play out a bunch of different ways. And honestly, the composition itself isn't as much of a departure as how the music is kind of given to the developer in this case supermassive games it's a lot more granular it's like a lot more kind of layers of an onion if i made this pizza and i was just giving you a slice of pizza it maybe is an example of a normal bit of game music for a game like until dawn or little hope i'm giving you like here's a little piece of pepperoni and now here's a mushroom here's a little tablespoon of sauce and you're basically reassembling the entire pizza on your end before you can eat it. And that's what we have to do with the music in order to be able to have it flex its muscles so many different ways, depending on what scene is going on. So it's like very, very, very fine, like lots and lots and lots of individual instruments most of the time. So, I mean, 30 or 40 individual instruments kind of going to supermassive. And then they're able to sort of bake it up in their own combination of whatever the game needs as opposed to a lot more simple approach which some games are more simple some games are a lot more complicated and again that's the beauty of games because that implementation part is really what makes the music really effective and a lot of times i feel like horror it needs to be even more effective than you know an exploration cue you got to make sure that the scare really works that's why there's so many variables involved yeah, I totally agree. Do you go into those compositions with the intention of manipulating the player's emotions? Or is that something that just kind of comes naturally? Yeah, I don't ever think that I'm, I'm intending for any manipulation per se. I think it's more about enhancing the experience. You know, a good example would be if uh, I think there was a scene in Until Dawn where there's a, a couple that are tied up facing each other and essentially you get the strong feeling that one of them is going to die very soon. 
And they're sort of like, not really saying their goodbyes, but they're trying to comfort each other. And that could be played in one of two ways. You could either play the horror of the situation, or you could play the backstory of their characters and the relationship. So it's really a matter of choosing whether the music is kind of reflecting the external or the internal of the characters. Because in this scene, you would be playing one of the two characters. And a lot of times I've found that the music's more effective when you're reflecting the internal motivation of the characters. If it's a battle scene, you're not necessarily scoring the battle, you're scoring your character and, and why they are fighting. I mean, it could be for any reason. And that's where film and games actually are, are very similar because you kind of have a couple of different ways of scoring one scene and they're going to imply the emotional content of, of that scene or of that level while the player is playing it or the, the film audience is, is watching it. So it's not really manipulation. It's more like exaggeration of what has already happened. A few years ago, you mentioned before that you did the music for the Tomb Raider reboot. What was it like creating the music for such a legendary franchise? Tomb Raider was a really great experience. The team was just incredible. I couldn't have written it on a piece of paper if someone said, what would be your ideal way to be associated and get involved with some iconic game franchise? Well, the perfect way is for them to approach you because they've heard something in your music that they think you could bring to the table to do something unique. And that's exactly what Crystal Dynamics did with Tomb Raider. And from the very beginning, it was very much... We, we want to do this from scratch. We want to do something new. We, we want it to be personal, but it's also the beginning of a journey. So we need to leave room for growth at the end. And we want a new main theme that is original in its own right. And just everything was so incredible from writing the themes to doing the, the big sculpture with Matt McConnell, this, this local metalsmith that I worked with they just everything I said Crystal Dynamics just said yes yes let's let's try it let's try it and then we just kept trying more and more and then before we knew it the score was finished they never turned anything down they were really really welcoming and what I did the entire time was try not to think about all the pre-existing games because if I started thinking about the the legacy and the history and the importance of that franchise in the world of games, I would just start feeling self-conscious and <laughs> think that I'm not doing as good of a job as I should be, which I think all composers kind of have in the back of their heads. So it was very much like a moving forward, being creative, and just doing the best thing you could for the game. And Crystal was just amazing to work with. I think that's a really great way to to put it, I think you managed to create something that was very unique and you didn't have to rely on what was already there, but it still did it justice. I think you did a great job. Totally, yeah. It was really interesting bits, even when we were just doing the, the main theme with the audio director. I admit to not being very familiar with the Tomb Raider music from before. So that was very easy for me to go off in an original direction. But just the main theme, I was sitting there with the audio director and this oboe came in doing a little accompaniment thing. He goes, oh, I really like how you, you had the oboe sort of echo the original theme. I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. I don't know what the original theme is. But the brilliance of the original theme was it was so open and simple is if I just did a little thing that was simple and open in the same kind of way, it unintentionally kind of 
played homage, which I was completely fine with. Happy accidents. Yeah, yeah, it totally works, yeah. <laughs> Does creating music for non-horror titles differ to creating music for horror titles? So, like, for example, creating the music for Moss. Was that any different mm-hmm. from Dead Space? Probably the biggest difference is the way the music gets implemented. With horror stuff, you can kind of throw anything on top of anything and, it, and it's all going to work because it's just, you know, it's supposed to kind of grind and mash together and, and really sound bad in a, in a good sort of way. But if you have a game like Moss, which is a, a mostly kind of peaceful, benevolent exploration, puzzle-solving kind of game, you don't want things to grind together and sound bad. It was really a matter of writing music in a slightly different way. With Moss especially, I wrote these very long suites between five and eight minutes that actually ended up just being the individual tracks that are on the soundtrack that we released. So it was more of a suite theme kind of driven soundtrack that was taken apart a little bit for implementation, but not to the extent that games like until dawn with supermassive it wasn't that super granular thing it was more about writing a piece of music that could take its time and over the span of seven or eight minutes just kind of musically go on the journey of that particular level maybe there's a little bit of exploration and then there's some puzzle in the middle and then maybe a tiny bit of combat at the end but it was all one long stream of conscious kind of idea because that's the way the game felt like the music needed to be sort of taking you on a journey in a subtle sort of a way not in a going around the corner and triggering a stinger and all this interactivity it was more like relaxing and zen Hmm. which was very relaxing and zen for me to compose as well it was fantastic (laughs) yeah i can imagine that that would be a a bit different to (laughs) some of the other things you've worked on yes Is there anything that you'd like to tell people about your job as a composer? Well, one thing that I've always thought was interesting, when I first started a game, and this just happened on another Zoom call that I had a couple days ago, when I'm first starting on a project, I sort of forget as a composer working on, you know, five, eight different titles sort of in different statuses, you know, starting one title in the middle of another title, wrapping up another title. But I'll do seven or eight games in a year from the beginning to the end of the year and in the span of maybe three years and the time that it takes a normal game to get made one of these bigger games like three to four years i've probably been working on 15 or 18 or even 20 different games in various stages of development during that same period and the people that i'm talking with the developer they've worked on one right they've been living with this game for the last three years So even a really, really talented, seasoned audio director will have seven or eight games under their belt because they have such a long period of development where I've got more than 100. So I try to remember all those little tricks like I was mentioning with Until Dawn or the sort of the sweet idea with Moss. It's all these things that seem obvious once they're finished. I think the way anything creative works, once you figure it out, it's like, well, that's super obvious, but it wasn't when you were trying to figure it out. I kind of see composers as these sources of inspiration, not just for the way the music's written, but for the way the music is implemented. And there's some other friends of mine as well. Austin Wintry is one of them 
who's really big into implementation as well as composing. And we really, really enjoy talking with developers and finding the best fit for each game because every game is going to have a different way the music needs to go in to really make it sound good. And I kind of consider that half my job, right? Half of it is writing the music that works for the game, but the other half is getting it implemented. Even if I'm not personally doing it, working with a developer to get it implemented because an amazing score that's poorly implemented is going to fall flat and it's going to make the game feel flat. It's not going to punch it up. It's going to bring it down. It's going to do the exact opposite of what it's supposed to do. So really implementation is super, super, super important. I, I think that would probably be my short version of your, your question. Implementation is very, very important. So that's it for all the main interview questions. Before we finish up, is there anything that you wanted to plug or promote that you're working on? It's tricky, isn't it? Well, I do have, so a game will be coming out in, I think it's October 30th, maybe, Halloween, Little Hope, which is another super massive game. That's the one that takes place amongst other time periods in the late 1600s. And that was a blast to work on. And I, I can plug it because I'm officially the composer, but I'm also very, very proud because my daughter sang the lead vocal on the theme as well as did all these wonderful creepy effects and things on it so that was a lot of fun wow <laughs> and um what else can i talk i'm currently working on it's it's an online game called warframe that uh is continually updating it's been out forever but i jumped on board with them maybe six or eight months ago and i've done three or four expansions. It's so much fun because everyone's completely different. This last one was actually a little kind of horror-esque in a way. So I had some fun kind of revisiting a little bit of those Dead Space vibes. Just, just a little bit, just a little bit. But, you know, sometimes a little bit is all you need for horror. Thank you so, so much. Like, it's been a really, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It was like eight years ago or something that I was listening to Canonical Aside from Dead Space 2 and thinking like, wow, this, this track is really great. Now, here I am getting to talk to you. So this has been very surreal for me. <laughs> yeah. You know, canonical aside, that's an anagram for Isaac and Nicole. Really? Oh, my God. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. If, if I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure it is. I tried I, to throw in a couple of anagrams in the titles, and that one really worked because it really was a canonical aside, but also Isaac and Nicole, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so there you go. A little Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I brought that up. But um, yeah, thank you so much. Oh, no problem. My pleasure. 